Ephesians chapter number 22. By the way, my name is Norflet, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And so glad you are here with us this morning. Thank you, Phil. Ephesians chapter number 2. If you have the blue Bibles under your seat, I believe it's page 827. Page 827. When you have it, say amen. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with, with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. This is a day that you've made, and Lord, we celebrate you. We bless you. We magnify your name, God. I do pray that you would pour out a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of your Son, God, that you would open up the book, oh God, that we would behold wonderful truths, oh God. Oh, that you would speak to us, I pray, in the name of Jesus, God. God, I thank you that you prepared a heart for a message and a message for a heart. And God, that you do only what you can do, that you give sight to the blind, you would cause the deaf to hear, the mute to sing, the lame to dance. God, that you would even raise the dead in our midst, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing the He Is, I Am, So What series. And... Uh, one of the tragedies, I believe, in the church is the disconnection between who God is and who we are. We don't always get that we are because he is. In fact, some of us, sometimes we live with, I, I call this deist, uh, uh, we have a deist Christianity. Uh, a deist is someone who believes in a supreme being and more particularly uh, a creator, but that that creator is not involved in the working of his creation. That God created you and just left you to your own. So in, in that system, you can't even live by faith because everything's based on by what you do. And so that means you're left to the reason and logic. And so you're trying to figure your life out based on what makes sense to you, based on what's logical to you. But I don't know about you, but I've had moments in my life where I felt like God told me to do something that didn't make any sense. So I can't live under that deist idea. I must live with this connected uh, thought that because he is, I am. And see, I believe Paul is wanting the church 
to know all that God has done through Christ so that the church corporately and the church individually would know who they are in Christ. See, that's the he as I am. So what? It's connecting the biblical dots. See, I believe that as we read through Ephesians, it calls us, it calls us up to a higher place of thinking, therefore living. See, I believe that too often in the church, we live beneath our biblical privilege. And Paul is writing this, saying, this is who you are based on everything he did. Live into it. Lean into who you are based on all that Jesus has done for you and is doing for you. See, that's important. A, a couple of summers ago, uh, my family and I, we went on a vacation to go hang out with a friend of mine in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And... Uh, Big old house, estate, man, it's fabulous. We pull up in the car, and uh, he meets us almost at the same time, and he gets out of his car, and in his Italian style, he throws his arms out to my kids, and like, hey, y'all, welcome home, and greets each kid with that Italian hug, and like he knew them. He never met, he ain't never met them in his life, but he greeted them with this incredible, you know, love and uh, and hospitality, and then he takes us in the house, and he puts our luggage on his elevator. I'm, 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 that, that tripped me out too, y'all. <laughs> elevator in his house? It was kind of spacious, I, you know. He gave us a, this grand tour of the house and, you know, took us up to the kitchen and looked at the kids and said, listen, guys, you're at home. You can eat whatever you want, hang out, play in the basement, play, you know, hang up all over the house. And, you know, it was awesome. But every so often we had to remind ourselves and remind our children. And we would go to them and we'd say, um, why y'all hanging out in the 20 by 30 room when you have access to this big house? Uh, you know, and, and it's, not, it's not that my kids ain't never been around big houses before. Um, not that ours is big. I mean, ours was so small at the time, and we had so many people in our house, we felt like our house had stretch marks. But <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> but they would go, you know, there's 10,000 square foot home. Huge. Yeah, crazy dog. And so, you know, but they, they've been around big houses before, and so, you know, their uncle has one about half the size, and we can go over there, and, you know, at that house, Things are different. I mean, the kids, I mean, they going in the refrigerator, they eating all this food. They would order movies on his cable. I mean, you know, I mean, they would wear his clothes to, to, you know, like, Uncle Robert, can I get a shirt to go to bed? I mean, they made themselves at home. And so you have to ask the question, what's the difference? Why is it that in one house, although they've been given free access, they don't take advantage of it, but in another house, they take full advantage of the access that they have? See, the difference is the nature and the depth of the relationship. If you don't know the one giving you the access, you will only explore what you are comfortable with and not what you've been given access to. So both my friend and their uncle says, listen, the house is yours. Hang out. Have fun. Play eat. But because they know the uncle and not the friend, they trust the uncle really means it. See, 
This is why Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Why? Because if you know him better, then you take advantage of the access that he gives you. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. In other words, Paul is writing and saying, you need to know God so that you can know what's available to you. See, Paul understands that the more we know the Father, the more we know the hope of our call. The more we know the Father, the more we know the rich inheritance that's in us, the saints. The more we know the Father, the more we know the incomparable great power that God has toward us. Listen, you do not serve an impotent God. There is a connection between what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves. And notice, it's not the more that we know ourselves that we know about God. It's the more we know about God that we know about ourselves. That's important. See, it's when God comes into clarity that you start coming into clarity. Paul would teach this in what, we, what some would call the twin book of Ephesians. Y'all know Ephesians has a twin? It's the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians says that your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. It really is, he is, I am. So what? So how are we going to allow what we've discovered about God to impact our own identity? How are we going to allow it to shape how we interact in this world? He is. I am. Now, so what? What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. See, once you know who you are in Christ, then you don't have to settle for lower-level living. Repeat that. Once you know who you are in Christ, you don't have to settle for lower-level living. See, the book of Ephesians is broken up in what we call uh, two uh, uh, facets. It's, it's positional truths, verses uh, one, uh, chapter 1 through 3, positional truths, right? And then uh, 4 through 6 are practical truths. Positional truths uh, are truths about your identity. It's who we are in Christ. But practical truths is how we live in Christ in this world. It's our behaviors. It's, this is who we are, and as a result of who we are, this is how we should behave. I know that it would shock some of you that if somebody said he was a hockey player and got on the ice and started dribbling a basketball, you would say, oh, he doesn't know that he's a hockey player. 
So Paul is saying there is a connection between who God is, who you are, and who you are and how you live. Are you guys okay? Are we all right? See, we don't want to settle for lower level living because lower level living is living by the desires of the flesh in both thought and in deed. And too often we live defeated lives because we don't know who we are. And we settle for less than our redemptive potential because we don't know who we are. So Paul says, you were past tense, but now in Christ, you are. So our mission is to discover who we are, not who we were. So Ephesians 10, 2, verse 1 through 10, it really is we were, but now we are. It is our former life versus our new life in Christ. We were, but now we are. So let's take a look at it, and we're going to start at verse number one. Uh, now, the NIV says, ask for you, when it opens up, and it says that as if that was a new thought, like, like Paul was, you know, bringing up a new thought, but Paul was really continuing a conversation that he had in chapter number one. In chapter number one, uh, at verse 22, he says, And God placed all things under his feet, talking about Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The actual uh, Greek for the next line is not uh, asked for you, or uh, it's and. And you were dead in your trespasses. Y'all got that? And, so it's a connecting the thought. Now, let's stop real quick because you, we need to understand the difference between transgressions and sins. Transgression is the idea of a misstep. It's the moment that we deviate from the path. It's the moment we deviate from the right path, but uh, sin is missing the mark. It's the idea of someone who takes an arrow, pulls it back, and shoots it toward a bullseye. And when we sin, we miss God's perfect mark. Now, see, some of us, you may have grown up and you were a pretty good kid, and it wasn't like you left the path. And so you think you're all right, but you're not because you still missed the mark. Each one of us has moments in our lives where we miss the mark. So Paul is writing and he's saying, listen, you're former versus you're now. You were dead in the path you were on. You were dead in missing the mark or the bullseye. You were dead in your missteps when you deviated from the right path. That's why the proverb writer says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. But even when we're on the right path, we still mess up. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 6, 23, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We were dead, but now we are alive. 
We were, but now we are. In verse 2, he continues, we were dead in following the way of the world. You know, some of us have taken our clues from the world. And in 1 John chapter number, uh, 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 chapter number 2, verse 16, he says, The way of the world is this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It's, the way of the world is, is what's in it for me. The way of the world is my personal cravings, what I want, what I think. You know, this is what I, it's about, about what I think. I'm about to do me. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? See, that's the way of the world. And Paul says, listen, when you're in the way of the world, you're in a way of death. You might think it's life, but it's not. It's, it, it, it's fool's gold. You were dead in the falling of the world. But I'm glad about something. Aren't you glad that death is in, is in our past and not our future? See, because, because for the believer, we don't go from life to death. We go from life to life. So my death, that was my past when I was, you know, working iniquity and I was living, you know, fornicating and lying and cheating and all that other stuff that we did in our past. And notice it's supposed to be in our past. Maybe I shouldn't have said that one. Yo, yes, I should have. But we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead in that we followed the way of the world. We were dead, but now. Turn to verse 5. Look at verse 5. We were dead, but God. Being rich in mercy. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now notice this. We were dead in our transgressions, but now we've been made alive. Listen, what happened in that moment is the, the Holy Spirit breathed into you. And not only did you, you, you know, because, you know, some of us, we're simply merely existing. We're like the walking dead. But listen, God didn't want you walking dead. And so because of Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit breathed on you, and now you are animated. Now you've got vitality. I'm going to tell you all something. I get tired of saltine Christians. Y'all know saltine Christians? (laughs) You ever eat a saltine and just, just dry? No life in them. Don't even know how to laugh. Because everything's serious. Mm. We were dead, but now we are made alive with Christ. Romans 8 and 11 says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now notice this. It says mortal bodies. The word mortal means prone to die. Listen, the Bible says that, listen, the Holy Spirit takes your prone to die self and makes you alive. Mm. And I want you to know something. It's the same Holy Ghost. 
It is not a watered down Holy Ghost that you got. It's not diluted. It's not like um, tier three or four. You got the real deal. Even while we were in our transgressions, then he makes something very clear. He says, it's by grace you have been saved. Now notice what Paul is trying to say. And even while you were a hot mess, you were so stinky, you didn't want to be around yourself. You ever been around somebody so funky, like, man, you smell like you want to be by yourself. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? But while we were at our worst, Christ came and made us alive. Hallelujah. For it's by grace you've been saved. In other words, it's all about God's goodness. It has nothing to do with your goodness. You're trying to figure out how you can be good to be acceptable to God. You can't. It's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. My dad's a military man. He's right there. Hey, Pops, thank you for being here. And, uh, and in, the, in the house that we grew up in, uh, we used to get merits and demerits. <laughs> and so I would get a name on my board at school and at home with a check by it. Some of y'all don't know anything about that. You're like, the kids are like, what is that? We used to get our name written on the board, and, you, you know, they'd check it once and twice, and then pretty soon you go to the principal's office. Back then with a, with a big paddle with holes in it. Now, that scared me. But grace is unmerited. It has nothing to do your, with your goodness or your badness. It has everything to do with God being good. But God, who is rich in mercy. Now, here's the difference. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. What you do deserve is death, hell, and the grave. What you don't deserve is the joy and the peace and the hope and the salvation and the healing. Come on now, and the freedom. You don't deserve that, but it's by grace you have been saved, made whole. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. Back to verse 2. We were dead and under the influence of the kingdom of darkness, the place where the devil and his demonic cohort exist. We were dead, verse 3, influenced by a sinful nature, both flesh and thought, both appetite and thinking. We were dead. Listen, what Paul is saying is, listen, even your thinking was dead. Your thinking didn't bring life to you. Paul was writing, listen, listen, you had some stinking thinking. And unfortunately, in the church, we still got people that got stinking thinking. God deliver us, right? But even in the way, the way that we thought, it was dead. It was dead thinking. We don't come alive until we're in Christ. We were dead, but now we are in Christ. Verse 6 says, you were raised up with Christ. 
So what does that mean? You were raised up from all those dead works. See, your sin and, you know, the, the uh, fornication, the lying, the cheating, uh, the, the coveting, uh, the adultery, all that stuff was buried with Christ. And so when God raised up Christ, he raised you up out of that mess. He raised you out of those dead works. But notice your dead works aren't necessarily all the bad things you do. The, uh, the dead works are also the bad thinking you have. And the bad thinking you have is thinking that you have to do this in order for him to accept you. That's still a dead work. Thinking that you say, you know what, if I come to church 48 times out of the 52 in the year, then God will just love me. Listen, that's dead. That's dead thinking. God has already accepted you. Listen, thinking that if you stop cussing, then you'll be accepted. No, you're already accepted. Now walk in what he called you into. See, when, when Christ raised us from the dead, when, he, when we raised up with him, we were freed from the power of sin. So sin shouldn't be whipping your tail. We're free from the power of sin, not the pull of sin. So sin still has a pull in you, but it has no power. Amen. Think about this. Christ raised us from our death. Death is sin full blown. So when we are raised with Christ, we are no longer under that bondage. So we were under the influence of the kingdom of darkness, but now Christ, in Christ, we are under the influence of the spirit who raised Christ from the dead. We were dead, but now, I want you to turn to look at verse 6. We are seated with Christ. You guys all right? We were dead, but now we are alive. We were dead, but now we are raised up. We were dead, but now we are seated. Ephesians 2.6. And God raised us up, uh, up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, this is, this is some good stuff. Uh, and I'm not saying it because I'm preaching it. I'm saying it because this is just word. Are y'all with me? Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> you are seated with him in the heavenly realms. Okay. Now notice, we must allow where we are seated to inform how we live versus letting where we live determine how we're seated. Okay? Because where we are seated is a place of honor, a place of authority, and a place of pleasure. All right? Now, you don't believe me, but let's go back to Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. He says, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So where is Christ seated? At the right hand of the, of the Father in heaven. And how was he seated? Far above 
uh, rule and authority, power and dominion in every time that can be given. Now, here's the real question. Where are you seated? With him, where? In heavenly places. And how are you seated? Far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and any name or title that can be named. In other words, listen, when you are in Christ, you are in a place of honor and authority and a place of pleasure. You're not seated in a place of defeat. So what you have to do is say, okay, you know what, God, you said that I'm seated seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father in a place that's far above our rule and dominion and power. And so I see there's an, an enemy. There is a real enemy. And sometimes he shows up at your door. And what you can't do with the enemy is be like, Siri, what do I do about the enemy? No. You say, wait a minute. I have been seated with Christ in, heaven, in the heavenly realm, right? Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion. So that means, devil, you have no business in my life. You have no business in my home. You have no business on my block. You don't have no business in the marketplace with my kids. You ain't got right there. Why? Because I'm seated in the place of honor and authority. Did not Jesus say, I have given you authority? To trample over snakes and scorpions. That's why some people got bad reputations. They're picking up snakes. It's crazy. But over all the power of the enemy. But not only are you seated in a place of honor and authority, but remember when I said you're seated in a place of pleasure. You should enjoy being a Christian. It's pleasurable. See, the scripture teaches that sin is pleasurable for a season. And in other words, the pleasure that sin brings has an expiration date. See, what happens is, is you start sinning and then sin starts doing you. You thought you had this thing under control. You was like, I'm going that and I'm going to do that. And ooh, I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, it starts whipping on you. But the psalmist wrote it. He says, you have made known to me the pathway of the life in your presence. That pathway of life is his presence. In your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are what? Pleasures. How long? Forevermore. In other words, the pleasures in Christ don't end. You constantly can just enjoy being in Christ. You constantly can rejoice in the middle of chaos and hardship. Why? Because you know who you belong to. You know that you have a good God. And listen, the Bible does say many are the afflictions of the righteous. So you might suffer. But listen, it also says, but God will deliver them from them all. And so we must live, live that out. I remember speaking to Martin Sanders when he was here and we went to uh, have a bite with him and he, he talked about uh, some of the Christians that uh, face the demonic and he said the reason they can't handle the demonic is because they don't know their authority. 
We ain't supposed to be scared of demons. They're supposed to know our name. Then the, the, the demons that hooked up with the seven sons of Sceva, they said, they said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> Demon punked them out, boy. <laughs> All right. So we were dead, but now we are made alive. We were dead, but now we are raised up. We were dead, but now we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, full of authority, honor, and pleasure. We were dead, and by nature, objects of wrath. This verse 3. Objects of wrath are, are objects that need to be thrown out and destroyed. He says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But now, we are God's workmanship. Are you seeing this? We were, but now we are. We were dead, but now we are alive. Now we are raised up. Now we are seated in heaven's place. Now we are his workmanship. In other words, listen, the moment that you said yes to Jesus is the moment that the, the acceleration of your shaping happened. We are his workmanship. Remember, Doug said it's his poema, his, his work of art, his masterpiece. And notice it says it's his work. We are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship, okay? We're not our own workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Okay, maybe I can explain it like this. Uh, anybody ever had a moment when your kids were at school and they made something for you? They made you, let's say they, they were taking a pottery class and they come and like so excited, mom, dad, Look what I made you. <laughs> and they're so excited, but you're not so quiet. Because you're like, oh, baby. Ooh, that was, yes. Mm. Oh. What is it? Oh, it's a coffee mug. Take it to work and show it to all your friends and drink out of it. Yes. Yes. And so that's what we do with our own lives when we think that we're our own artists. We take ourselves and say, God, look at me. And he's like, what? What? Jesus, Holy Ghost, uh, what is that? No, forget it. But we are his workmanship. Listen, God is the artist of all time. He is the most creative force in the universe. Listen, we give props to Van Gogh and Picasso and, you know, great poets and all that kind of, but all they do is reprint. All they do is draw what he created. 
He's the master artist. So you can trust him with your life. And though you may be like the pottery on the wheel, and it may feel like your life is spinning a little bit out of control. But notice the potter has, has his hands on the vessel. And though you might be spinning, he still has his hands on you. Shaping you, molding you, making you so that you become a vessel of honor. Why? Because there were some good works that he called you to, which he prepared for you in advance, that you might walk in them. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Y'all know the song, mold me and make me. This is what I pray. There's a little more there, but we're going we're to close out. I believe that there are some of us in this room that are still in a, in a dead place. And we're still following the way of the world. And we're still following our own sinful nature. And we're still under the influence of the enemy. I think, I believe, I know that God wants to change that. And then there are those others of us that are in this place. And you know what? We've, we've come to Jesus. But we don't quite know who we are in Christ. And so we're experiencing defeat. And our lives seem like that proverbial roller coaster. We're up and down, up and down, because we haven't settled the issue of who I am in Christ. I believe that God wants to settle that for you. So would you pray with me? That the reality of heaven would meet us right here. That we would know, that you would know, that you're in a place of honor, a place of authority, and a place of pleasure. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Just rest there, just rest. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. For they are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Some of you need mercy. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
His mercies never come to an end, for they are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm going to sing it one more time. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, for they are new, new, great is, O Lord, great is thy faithfulness. And so, Father, I thank you that your spirit is in this room. And God, I pray right now that you would quicken the ones that are dying. God, both spiritually and, and naturally. God, I pray, Lord, that you would invade every heart. Lord, that your rock, that the wind of God would breathe through this place and blow upon every person. Lord, there, there, there are those in this place that are, that are, that are, are, are dry and that are empty. Father, 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 fill them. In despair, God, strengthen them. God, make us alive. Resurrect us. We thank you for it right now. You may be in this place and you're in need of prayer. Uh, we have a few folks that are here that would love to pray with you. Believing that God would do the supernatural in your life. So we invite you to come and let God meet you. And so, Father, we thank you. I thank you for your people. God bless them. And they're going and they're coming. God, bless the work of their hands. God, bless their homes. God, bless their businesses. Bless the fruit of their wombs. Right now, in the name of Jesus. God, call every prodigal son and prodigal daughter back home. We pray in the name of Jesus. God, deliver every son that's addicted right now in the name of Jesus. God, right now, set free the ones that are bound right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a super Sunday. We love you.